Uh, coming up on the Thursday edition for OGP, it's the Carolina Panthers taking back a look at their week one loss where the Giants can take advantage of some of Carolina's weaknesses, but also on the offensive side. Is Baker Mayfield potentially going to be able to find his rhythm against the secondary for the Giants that unfortunately once again has injury concerns? Break it down next. Ah, yes, friends, it's OGP, the one giant podcast, as you know, you said at the top there, doing it on a Thursday for us and welcoming in as we remind you that I am not only the host here, but also covering the Brooklyn Nets over on the Lockdown Nets podcast, hot cup of coffee in hand as we welcome in a slightly tardy, but nevertheless present, healthy, wealthy and wise, Mr. Andrew Mackowitz. How are we, sir? I mean, I was hanging up this, uh, the New York Giants, uh, they, you know, banner that I had behind me, they gave it to all you know, season ticket holders and everything else. So fresh off the presses, just wanted to make sure we had this behind us today, but squeeze me. All right. Well, listen, I can't, I can't knock it. If we're putting up quality swag in the background, set at the top there, obviously we're going to be taking a look at the matchup a little bit more with the Carolina Panthers. Um, it, it, it's fa- I have a fascinating kind of just perspective that I picked up looking over at Carolina and what really happened for them in week one. Before we do any of that though, obviously we got to talk about the injury updates. We were kind of waiting from week one to week two, what's going to happen with Kayvon Thibodeau? Is he going to be out there? Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about him getting some reps on the sidelines and whether or not there's an opportunity for him to be out there on Sunday. But first, you got to talk about the fact that, unfortunately, it's, you know, good vibes off of week one, Andy. But the theme of injuries for the New York football Giants remains very prominent as QB Aaron Robinson will be out following an appendix surgery appendectomy um it comes out of left field obviously but now all of a sudden the giants in a very thin position are going to be without a a curious a potentially solid number two where do they go from here now great question adam because losing cornerback aaron robinson who you know is slowly starting to progress obviously uh you know got beat a little bit in the game against tennessee that pass interference, non-pass interference penalty that could have been. But, you know, he's still a young player developing. Yeah, held really, up, right? He yeah. played the game. <laughs> yeah, you can only do what they what they call on the field. So, for me, it's tough losing him, obviously, because we need, we're need we already thin in the secondary, and we need all the help we can get. Now, there's a couple different things. The first thing that everyone clamored about is, well, good thing you signed Tony Jefferson because you can just move Julian Love over into that hybrid role like you have before. And all, um, many of the beat writers have basically come out and said, he's no longer a guy that fills all these different like bits and bobs, ins and outs on your team. He he's is a hundred percent snap playing well at the safety position yeah. as the captain, right? Like he already has an established role. His value is no longer in his versatility, Adam. It's in his ability to play a singular position and play it well. A hundred percent on that point of it. And let's not, let's not forget here. Julian love was never in a position to be an outside cornerback for the New York football giants. He was drafted to play in the nickel slot role for them and then started to hybrid into safety. And it was all predicated on, could he be fast enough, right? To keep up with those quick twitchy players. I mean, listen, has he developed obviously as an NFL 
call secondary player. Yes, of course he has. But to your point, I, I don't know how you can look at coming out of week one and just say, well, we'll automatically throw him over there. Now, um, I'll be curious how Wink Martindale approaches this because we mentioned Tony Jefferson. He gets some snap reps there, obviously, last week, but they just brought him in. Practice squad, elevate. We know that Dane Belton is on the fringe of starting to be ready to get back out there on the field. So even short-term, long-term, there's going to be some interesting decisions they can make there. The other thing that I was just taking a quick look at, because we were talking about snap counts last episode, I was trying to see if um, – who else in that secondary got on the field that maybe would have surprised me, you know, in some form or fashion that would have given me an indication, Hey, here's a guy that can give us an opportunity to maybe play on the outside. But, you know, talking about a guy like rookie Cordell Flott, you know, I, I, you can't just throw these players, I think to the wolves here in week number two, as we're going to talk about this matchup with the Panthers, it's, it's different than what you saw and what you had to deal with against the Tennessee Titans. To, to be honest with you, uh, Adam, I uh, I think that who's going to end up playing outside is not on the current active roster. That's how you, bad it is for the Giants right now. Because when you think about it, Rodarius Williams is already on the IR. You've brought in Cordell Flott, and you've given him the idea that he is the backup nickel cornerback. He's going to play inside, and we're going to let him grow. Feeding him to the Wolves on the outside would really serve no purpose for anyone involved. What I think w- is an interesting name is Fabian Moreau, who's on the Giants practice squad. Listen, mm-hmm. he's 28 and a half years old. He's been he's, in the league. You meant, you meant not on the active roster, not. Right, he's on the like, practice squad right now. No, 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 yeah, yeah. I was, think, I was thinking, no, but I was, I was like. Oh, like just signs away from a, the street. On a, th- on a Thursday morning? We're, <laughs> no. we're, still, we're still trying to work this out? No, that, yeah. Current, gotcha. Currently not on the active roster, was signed on September 5th to the Giants. So he's been right. in the building for a couple weeks. And listen, he's a veteran who's been in the league for six years. He's the type of guy, he's not going to wow anyone. And if you look at a bunch of his pro football focus grades and how much, how much <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason why he doesn't wow you. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a reason why you get those different stats. But, but Adam, the idea is having a veteran on the outside. L- like, listen, last year he had 50 different tackles and he, and he posted a 57 and a half, 58 pro football focus. Not going to blow you out of the water, but it's not a 40, which is going to kill you and get blown up in coverage. And I think they're going they're going to activate him and ask him to do very specific things. They're either going to say, you're a man coverage, just worry about this one guy. Or what I think is more likely is you end up sending him in many blitz packages, Adam. Tell him to just go get the quarterback yeah. and make the quarterback uncomfortable and shift people like Julian Love and other people out and make the quarterback focus on different decisions. That I think is going to be a strategy knowing that Aaron Robinson is going to be out. And let's talk, we'll continue to dive into the defensive side a little bit more, but let's make sure that Brian Dable, when asked about obviously the other members of the injury uh, list here coming out of last week and even out of the game during the week, et cetera, or, or even prior to the start of the season, he said, uh, Brian Dable, that is Wandell Robinson knee and cornerback, Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod was doing some special teams work this past week. They did not practice yesterday. That's Wednesday. Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau will be limited at yesterday's practice and center uh, along with center John Feliciano and backup safety Jason Pinnock. And I think like so throwing in Jason Pinnock there as well. Remember this group of players, Tony Jefferson, we pick up Pinnock. We feel like we're getting some of these guys, but so uh, Tony Jefferson falls into his own category because he has experience uh, within Wink Martindale's system, but it does feel like we're right on that edge of like, who just knows what they're going to be asked to do, whether it is, going to be a 28 and a half year old practice squad elevated player or otherwise it let's just stop let's start and 
finish the injury report here. Are you optimistic that we think we're going to see Thibodeau out there? Are we optimistic that we think, you know, Pinnock may be available, Aziz Ojolari? It seems like it was tentative, you know, going back two days ago. And now maybe, like maybe Thibodeau is getting closer to saying he's going to give it a go on, on Sunday. But I think we all agree, I can't, I cannot support putting a guy out there, our rookie top five draft pick, and say, go for it, buddy when we don't know for sure if he's 100%. You just can't risk it, especially after almost stealing a win in week one. I, I agree. Here's the thing that I will say. I think that a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau is, is as you saw him working off to the side with, with uh, you know a brace on his leg, mm-hmm. trying to do all the cuts, being as aggressive as he can, getting in some really good motion. He is basically going to look at the training staff and say, tell me why I can't be out there. And if they don't have if they don't have a good reason for it, like, oh, your mobility looks bad or it's so close that, you know, you're going to re-injure it. There's a really good chance of re-injuring it. Like they have to give him a really good reason to not be out there because I think he is just itching to get out there in a matchup that I think favors the Giants really well. When you talk about the Carolina offensive line versus the Giants pass rush and what Wink Martindale wants to do, this is one of those times where. You know, you're looking at Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon are like, man, we got to get back out there. There's 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 a, a half a dozen sacks between the two of us just waiting there. We can really impact this game. So for me, I expect at least one of them to be out there. I know you may sure. say, well, what's the rhyme or reason behind that? I think they're both trying their hardest. And it feels like, you know, they were so close last week that giving them that extra week should give everyone a little bit more comfort that the injury isn't going to be the problem for them. Yeah, last it felt like last week would have been. What are we trying? What, you know, what are we trying to do here? Push these guys, whereas right. this week feels to be more comfortable. Um, Dame Belton was a full participant yesterday as well. So again, inside of as we turn our attention on the defensive side of the ball, because that's where this thing jumps off. And I, I found something fascinating about looking at the Carolina Panthers Week One game with Baker Mayfield and his new team. Um, but if Dame Belton is then also in the mix, it's funny. You got we got a lot of them. It's just that none of them necessarily serve the very specific purpose of replacing an Aaron Robinson in week number two. And yet we said last week, hey, Wink Martindale did a heck of a job, right? Ward gets so much more play. You say we're going to shut down this beast that is or at least try to limit uh, Derrick Henry. And then we know not a strong wide receiving core. Robert Woods, really a number two playing as a number one young talent. You mitigated it. You fought your way through it and you got yourself a win. The first thing I noticed was Carolina Panthers had a strikingly similar game script to the New York football giants, just in terms of down early, didn't look good 20 to seven. They were trailing. And even though the stats are not as, as, um, as glowing by the end of the game for Baker Mayfield or for Christian McCaffrey, certainly, but they came back Baker Mayfield started to find a little bit of a rhythm, had an opportunity and lost on a last second field goal. Like, we're only some weird football God fumbles away from this thing being the reverse of man. The giants came so close. Couldn't quite get it done. Carolina crumbled. Now I think that Carolina looks far more shaky coming out of their, their week one game, obviously regardless of win or loss, but isn't it, it's striking to me, man, especially with Matt rule as the head coach, a guy that once upon a time, giants fans were just irate that John Mara didn't do whatever was necessary to get him. Now he's rotating through his third quarterback and trying to kind of figure things out on the fly. This Carolina Panther team, especially up front with that offensive line, again, similarities all over the place. It just looks like they are still a ways away from figuring out how they're going to be successful and productive on a game-to-game basis. Okay, so there's a lot to uh, to unpack there, Adam. Yeah. 
You so, point to a position. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's good or bad about things. Well, no. So or where so the Giants like, can take advantage. I, I see where you're drawing similarities, but the similarities stop and end completely with what you just said. Because I'm going to give you a few things. The reason why it, we Giant fans shouldn't draw the correlation, and be like, "Well, it's just a missed field goal," even though in in technicality it is. It's a completely different circumstance. The Carolina Panthers were at home, right? The Giants mm-hmm. were on the road. The Carolina Panthers were at home against an under 500 team last year, right? The Giants were on the road against the number one seed in the AFC. On top of that, Baker Mayfield completed 59% of his passes and did not look great out there. Daniel Jones, even though, you know, everyone knows that you're a Daniel Jones hater now, completed 80% of his passes and helped the team go down and, and lead to victory. I'll give you one more thing. All right. You talk about Christian McCaffrey being all world. 10 rushes for 33 yards, like, he did not look what while they got him out in space and he can look shifty. He did not do what Saquon Barkley did with almost 200 total yards looking absolutely electric. So while you say that the win and loss may be different, the how behind all of it is drastically different. And, and even if the field goal didn't, you know, went through the uprights for the giants, the giants would have far more positive takeaways than Carolina does losing to an under 500 team with a backup quarterback, you know, at home. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And all those things do matter. The the thing that I, the one element I dismiss is I don't care what Tennessee was last year or what Cleveland or Panthers or Giants. Like, I I don't care about what they were coming into this season, right? I can only go by what we see in week one. And to your point, in week one, Baker Mayfield essentially showed, you know, it felt a lot like, even though Carson uh, Carson Wentz was able to lead the commanders to a win, it felt a lot like the Carson Wentz thing of, hey, I'm going to give you the whole spectrum of who I am. In a lot of ways, Baker Mayfield gave you that in their week one game, right? Hey, am I capable of making some plays? Of course I am. I showed some nice rapport with Anderson, hit a big, hit a big completion. But like you said, 27 pass attempts. Like if I'm if I had been Matt Rule, I would have been trying to find a way. And maybe they did, and it just didn't quite pan out. And you get down early and that changes your game script, which is something I want to talk about here. But 27 pass attempts, it's a lot for, for the first, you know, first game under center for Baker Mayfield. And when you complete under 60% and you have the interception, and by the way, got sacked four times, right? Like this offensive line did not do a good job of protecting him or giving him opportunities. It really does just fall underneath this category of, boy, if this is the first sample, there's a long ways to go here. Now, the interesting thing to me is when we talk specifically about Christian McCaffrey, this is a guy that had 10 rushing attempts in this game and caught what four, four targets, four catches, 24 yards. The one thing I'm going to say is that why game script matters in this and what is going to be interesting as we talk about the defensive side of the ball is how will Wink Martindale change his approach to defending against the Carolina Panthers and specifically Christian McCaffrey? Cause we can sit here and say, Christian McCaffrey, they didn't have himself a Saquon Barkley day. Of course he didn't. Nobody did, quite frankly. NFC uh, Player of the Week, by the way, which we didn't get to talk about on yesterday's show because we had already wrapped. Um, but he is Christian McCaffrey. He is very capable of it. And the game script got you away from that pretty quickly. One thing that some fans mentioned about the Giants game was how, oh, it got so much better because they changed from the first half to the second half. And I said, I said no, 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 no. They didn't change. They actually stayed the course. The Giants stayed committed to what was going to be successful for them. They opened it up for one big play to Sterling Shepard, and that mattered a great deal. And then they trusted their approach that, hey, we're going to get the payoff from Saquon Barkley. Do you think that the Giants defensively have the ability 
to force Carolina once again into a same spot of you're going to end up, get, you know, is Christian McCaffrey getting under 14 touches in week two? I just can't see it. Win or lose, there's no way that I can see the Panthers coming into this game and saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go for 15 touches. I, I think you see Christian McCaffrey get 20 to 25 touches and you live with whether or not you're having success, you're moving the chains, you're getting points on the board. Well, so what's interesting is they did go in with a game plan against the Titans to just stop Derrick Henry. They went big body. You could see that they were making sure to put an emphasis on the D-line. It's something we talked about. Yeah, we, we talked about that in, in a lot of the pre-show, how important Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence were going to be. We were so concerned about, oh, Blake Martinez is in there. What's going to happen? It really was on the defensive line to stop Derrick Henry or at least slow him down to allow other people to come in and make tackles like Tay Crowder or whomever was there. What was interesting is because they had that strategy of stopping Derrick Henry, it felt like um, when given the opportunity, Don Trell Hilliard of of the uh, Tennessee Titans yes. ended up catching some passes and scoring because he's a different type of back than Derrick Henry was. He's way more around what Christian McCaffrey is than, than Derrick Henry. Yep. And so it'll be interesting to see this shift. Do we necessarily not go big body and say, hey, our three boys up front can handle – Christian McCaffrey running into the line. What we can't have happen is McCaffrey get out in space on the edges and really start to be the playmaker he can, which actually helps the Giants because with having guys like Tony Jefferson, Dane Belton, Julian Love, like all of that, you know, athletic players in the secondary, maybe the Giants have the ability to be a little bit more versatile in the secondary, bring those players up and support on the outside to make sure that we contain Christian McCaffrey on the inside. Yeah, versatility is such a w- funny way to put it because we're dealing with the injury. Remember, you know, Aaron Robinson played 95% of the snaps in week one. So you, you got to replace 62 reps out there. And even if, you know, if we think about it to your point, you know, your point, fans, points, anyone, if you want to shift something around, whether it's McKinney or Love, and I'm not saying they're going on the outside, but just using them differently and then bumping up the 13 reps and 20% of the snap count that Tony Jefferson saw is Dane Belton available. Cause that I think to your point, see to me is if we come in tomorrow and we talk about our betting and Andy's bet of the week, we're certainly going to take a look at, you know, where the over under is going to be set on yardage for a guy like Christian McCaffrey. But if you want to be able to say that I have Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, Tony Jefferson, a little bit of Dane Belton, maybe a panic. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned uh, Moreau there. Like if I, if you tell me I got seven, just eight bodies that I want to be able to move and shuffle around there and try to go with athleticism and speed to mitigate what Christian McCaffrey is going to do to us. Listen, I think a lot of teams come in with that approach. My question here is whether or not when we look at, to your point, the difference of Ward last week to what will it be this week? Because on the one hand, I can tell, like, on the one hand, I can tell you, yeah, a uh, 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 Cam Brown is maybe going to have more athleticism, but he didn't even see a defensive snap. And while you can, we can talk about the shift in approach week to week, I still think there are things that you can read into a little bit, right? No Carter Coughlin in this one. Quincy Roche only saw four snaps. Now, what I think is interesting is how do these guys get stacked up here when you start to rotate what your process is going to be? A guy like Fox who played 42% defensive snaps, he probably still stays in there. But where do you take away reps on that defensive front and shift them into more of these linebacker roles? And honestly, with how good Ward played and the emotional leadership that he brought to the table, can you take him off the field? Can you just take him and reduce him by 20 reps, knowing at the very least he's a veteran, experienced, and instinctual? 
I don't know. How much of the shift do you think we're going to see here? Because by and large, I think the biggest adjustment with the injury to Robinson is going to be how many bodies. Are there more three high safety looks where we got three guys back there and we don't know which one is coming at you? That's going to be interesting. And then I think, as we're seeing here in the live stream from uh, Kong, talking about like Micah McFadden. Like, is this a, do you throw him to the wolves here? Because he didn't get any reps in the week one. But maybe you just say, listen, you have speed. Go use it and try to catch as Tay Crowder did to Derrick Henry. Go catch Christian McCaffrey when he's out on the edge. Don't want to blow him up, but you sure as heck got to grab him by the ankles and wrap him down. Adam, the game plan is going to be drastically different on defense. And people may say, well, it's not broke. Don't don't fix it. Like, it, leave it the way it is. Ward filled a perfect uh, void and peace for what we needed against Derrick Henry. The game script is completely different against the Carolina Panthers. The, the idea was stop Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And the Giants did not get very much pressure on Ryan Tannehill at all. They only had one sack. It was from Tom and Fox. That was like kind of a, a little bit of a broken play. The Giants were not getting after the quarterback. And it's because they had big bodies that were there to stop the run. What's going to happen this time, Adam, is it's all about getting to Baker Mayfield for me. Because the way the Giants win this game is getting pressure in Baker Mayfield's face. The guy completed 59% of his passes in week one. He is not an accurate quarterback. He, for his career, for his career is not, yeah. His career, he's a 61.6% completion percentage guy. He is not. (laughs) Basically did it. He almost did it, right? He almost did it. Right, right. That was like 59 is bad, and it was almost his average for for his career. So, Adam, for me, it's going to be all about getting athletes getting pressure on Baker Mayfield, making him make decisions as quick as possible. Because as we could tell over his five-year career in the NFL, when he has to make decisions very quickly, he either turns over the ball or he doesn't throw it accurately. Let's talk about, and I agree with you, but so this is where I think setting expectations for this game, right? The Giants are favored. And there's some things in this where I think the underdog in this particular matchup between the Giants and the Carolina Panthers is 5-0 and in their last five meetings. There's a lot of stats that conflict with it with where you'd actually prefer the Giants maybe to be an underdog uh, <laughs> in this particular game. Though, let's go ahead and move away from it. I like, as, as we see there, Ronnie agreeing with you, got to get pressure in Baker's face. The difference in this game, and by the way, I can do it on both fronts. The difference is that the Tennessee Titans do not, the, the wide receiving core, at the very least, your your top two, and I'm going to put top three with Christian McCaffrey included, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. Those are a more dangerous set of three players in the passing game this week than what you were going to face against the Tennessee Titans, especially with what Derrick Henry is not in his role as a running back. Combine that with losing Aaron Robinson. I agree with you that the Giants are going to have to bring more pressure and you're going to have to get home more often than not. Remember that play where Xavier McKinney Try to laser missile and Tannehill just gets it out of his hands. The other side of it is Tannehill is a far more accurate quarterback than Baker Baker Mayfield. So the chance for mistakes is there, but I do think that the chance for some big plays is there for Carolina. It doesn't mean that I think they're going to have a great offensive game, but I do think the risk reward of bringing pressure is also going to elicit a couple of, you know, big chunk opportunities. And it may look more dynamic when it's DJ Moore with the ball in his hands or, when it's someone like Robbie Anderson who at his worst while his ceiling may be whatever he's a burner he can get downfield right and if we think that Aaron Robinson struggled to stay downfield in coverage with some of the quicker receivers last week what's going to happen this week when we are kind of throwing s at the wall to see what sticks it's going to rely on and I'm not I'm confident 
in the safety position. It's going to rely on what happens on the back end of that defense, right? The three, the three deep safeties. When you need help in coverage, you've got to get there, especially knowing that Baker is not pinpoint accurate when you talk about going downfield in some of his deep balls. So as Wink likes to think, though, pressure is an inexperienced cornerback's best friend. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the faster the and the more you, you get the quarterback uncomfortable, the faster they have to get the ball out, the less thinking there is for a cornerback to do. There's less space and availability. So for me, I think Wink's like, this is perfect. I have an excuse to bring the house every time. Like, I don't have my other cornerback. What do you want me to do? Like, this almost sets up perfectly to be able to slide some of those safeties over, bring Moreau, bring whoever, and say they got to get the ball out within a second and a half or Baker Mayfield's going to get destroyed. And as we saw, his decision-making is not that positive when it happens. I want to get over the offensive side of the ball too here. Who's covering McCaffrey out of the backfield for the Giants? Like who, who is it? Cause I, you know, we're, t- we're seeing the comments. Like you have to be able to at some point say, if we're talking about mitigating the risk, McCaffrey is the number one, but DJ Moore is right there. Like he is an elite wide receiver talent. So if you're using those safeties to prevent some of that big explosive plays on the back end or bringing them on blitzes, there's going to be a lot of times when someone is in one-on-one solo assignment to cover Christian McCaffrey, who is your, I mean, let, let's just put it plainly. If it's not a safety coming down at times or a cornerback, who's the linebacker that says, yeah, I can cover him sideline to sideline. Okay. Give me the linebacker in the NFL. That one-on-one covers Christian McCaffrey out in space. It doesn't <laughs> exist. So like that, that's a, that's a fool's answer to be able to say like, Oh, put in yeah. Micah McFadden. Cause he could take down uh, Christian McCaffrey. It's not true. The giants are going to have to do a bunch of different looks. There's going to be times if Kayvon Thibodeau is out there that he may have to drop out and cover Christian McCaffrey for a half a second on an out route, right? Like that might happen. The giants need to confuse them, throw Julian love, Dane Belton, Tony Jefferson, whoever it may be to give them different looks. So they can't run the same routes with McCaffrey, you know, depending on who's guarding him is, is the route that they want to run. If it's Thibodeau, you want to get McCaffrey downfield as much as possible. Yeah. If it's a, a smaller guy like Dane Belton, you probably want to get the ball to him in space and get a one-on-one matchup. So like there's a few different ways that they're going to have to figure it out. And Wink will need to confuse them on who's going to be guarding him out in space. And that's going to be the way that you kind of stop him. You can't, you can't completely shut him down, but at least hinder what he wants to do. Closing speed, right? We talk about just closing speed. Get to the ball, right? Once the catch is made, especially on those swing passes out of the backfield, just be be consistent, be present, and be reliable in tackling, right? So many of these plays are going to come down to, hey, if he makes that first guy miss, it goes from being a one-yard gain, a two-yard gain, to a seven-yard gain, to a 12-yard gain. And just you can respond. A quick shout-out to Mick there, who was talking about covering more three deep safeties. Uh, and as everyone got after him in the comments there, we all knew he was talking not about Dylan, uh, but Dillard. But before we turn to the off- offensive side of the ball yep. for the Giants, the one other big key to this awesome. is we talked about it before. The offensive line for the Carolina Panthers gave up four sacks to the Cleveland Browns. Now, granted, they have Miles Garrett, who is one of the best, if not the best, pass rusher mm-hmm. in the NFL. But what I will say is they are starting a rookie left tackle, an Ikea Kwanu, who did not look good at all in week yeah. one, who got almost embarrassed. He had a 41 pro football focus rating, one of the lowest offensive linemen in the entire NFL. So the Giants are going to get opportunities in the, the pass rush game. They When they do, they have to get home or they have to make the play go all sideways for Baker Mayfield to force those turnovers. And, 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 re- and a reminder here too, I think this is where Wink Martindale, where the better coaching staffs in the league, you're going to start this one out. Will the Giants want to bring pressure? It's a part of who Wink is, yes. But to your point, 
If I can set up my three, four front, and if Thibodeau is out there and I just say, hey, why don't you go get the job done go yourself? Get go and get then, home, yeah, buddy. And then guess what we don't have to do? We don't have to worry about bringing everybody, and we get to let the safeties assist our outside corners and mitigate those passing opportunities and have multiple players keeping an eye on Christian McCaffrey when he comes out of there. So I think phase one is it's like, hey, this is a plus matchup for us, right? And I have my eyes on Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence because we always talk about pressure is not – from the outside getting after the quarterback it can happen up the gut and I was not necessarily why I thought the defense did a good job overall against uh Derrick Henry I was not blow your skirt up impressed by Dexter Lawrence in week one he's a captain of this team we expect him to do more there when Baker is out of rhythm he will throw interceptions something that we were unable to capitalize in week one another big part of this turnovers right and I think that that is certainly as Ronnie's pointing out that is a hundred percent something that is far more on the table in this game than it was in week one, right? This is a team in the Carolina Panthers that is ripe to turn over and flipping field position, especially early for this Giants offense, could be a big needle mover. Speaking of turnovers, let's turn Ooh. over to the offensive side of the ball, Adam. They call that a transition. They call that a transition in the business. Good Lord, I'm taking uh, off tomorrow. Yeah, you may, you may as well. I mean, you, you spoke so much on, on Tuesday's show that everyone thought that you were going to take off Wednesday or Thursday anyway. <laughs> so li- listen, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, there's a couple of different notes. Like, obviously, we know that when Saquon Barkley is out there, he looks amazing and he looks he looks unbelievable. Yeah. But the Giants are actually facing a defense that was ranked number two in total defense in the NFL. They are a very, very good defense. There's just one problem, Adam. They lost their number one pass rusher and sack artist, Hassan Reddick, in free agency. Yeah. Had 11 sacks last year. Like, he was their guy. Now it turns to their captain, Brian Burns, who's their, who's their defensive end, who's going to have to go up against Andrew Thomas. Good luck with that. The next highest was Gross Matos with three and a half. They have the same problem that the Tennessee Titans do. It's almost like a carbon copy on defense where it's like really good t- team total defense, had a really good pass rusher that just happens to not be here, and you got to figure out how to fill the void. They didn't do it in week one against the Cleveland Brown defense. They had one sack. Like, I think this is another good opportunity for the Giants offensive line to make a positive statement and for Daniel Jones to look look great against a defense that I don't think is as good as they were last year. No, for sure. And also on the outside, we talk about their safe, uh, sorry, their cornerback room, I should say. Remember, you know, they're putting out Dante Jackson on one side. Obviously, he's a 2018 pick there. You've also got, come, what was it, come out, uh, yeah, out of LSU. Want to make sure I had that right. And then you've got J.C. Horn on the other side. Now, the big ones would be here again, just like this. This is why I was saying at the top, why there seems like there's so much similarities to these matchups, because then you have Chin at the back end at the safety position, high quality, talented player. Now, in week one, it felt like the Giants offensive game game plan mitigated that right we just said listen we're gonna pick a very few set of spots here we're gonna try to push the ball down the field etc otherwise though we're gonna go with our bread and butter and that's gonna be Saquon Barkley and punishing this defensive front for Tennessee and now for the Carolina Panthers like again carbon copy I think that this is ripe for Saquon Barkley to start the game out on a very high note to use the strength of a rookie Evan Neal let Andrew Thomas continue to work and we mentioned it yesterday as of right now it's Ben Bredesen getting listed there at the left guard position Glowinski the strength of this offensive line for the Giants is the running game and I think you can come out and set that same exact tempo and premise here we're going to get to another key player on the offensive side uh, in a second for the Giants but I I'm not, by the way, you cannot walk into a game and say, just give me another 164 Saquon, thanks so much, right? That, that, that cannot be the expectation, but you can expect him to still have success and you can expect 
expect, whether it's manufactured through the run or through those passes out of the backfield, I think it's reasonable to say, hey, man, you got three or four 15-plus yard opportunities. Maybe one's a monster like he had down the left sideline against, against the Titans, or just 10 to 15 yards. Those matter. Those are first down grabbers, and those are chain movers. I, that premise seems reasonable. Positive plays were huge for Saquon Barkley. I know it sounds silly, but there were so many negative plays where when he got the ball in the last couple of years, like the line of scrimmage was already pushed back two yards. He has no ability to move forward. And the Giants are in second and 13. It's like, well, we can't run the ball again with Saquon. Like, wh- like we become very one-dimensional. Yeah. This game against the Titans, he was falling forward. He was making plays. He was shifty. He looked athletic. We're in second and four instead of second and 12. And it changes the whole dynamic of the play calling, right, Adam? So, like, uh, we obviously know how critical he is. But we see that this is a strong offensive line in run protection. They are able to move the line of scrimmage. It's something that we knew Evan Neal was going to be very good at right out of the gate. It looks like they're starting to mesh as a unit. So, for me, obviously, we know Saquon Barkley is, is the engine that will get this thing going. Um, but I do think that there is another player on the offensive side that, that I think is going to be interesting in this game. Yeah, well, you see Ronnie talking about it again there. Need to get more Tony and more Shep involved, and I think both of those names can be talked about here. If you saw coming on the live stream, I had Kadarius Tony's, Tony's face right up there. First, before we dive in what he can be this week, I, I do want to talk about the quotes that he had after the game, right? It seemed like there was a lot of baiting understandably from the media trying to get him to express frustration that he was pissed off that he wanted the ball more. Why wasn't he in there? All those things. Brian Dable said, Hey, listen, guy coming off of an injury. It's also about the system and working players in, et cetera. Had seven, seven reps know that, but Kadarius Tony after the game, you know, he said, listen, one, one touch, two, two touch, one touch, no touch. We won. I don't care. He's, he said everything the right way. Like I, 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 you know, and as a, as a wide receiver and we know how those positions work, if this was week five or six, Maybe the responses are different, but he responded exactly how you wanted him to. And I think that there's going to be opportunities. We saw them try to give us a taste there in week number one. Kadarius Tony turned a potential passing play for himself into a nice five-yard game because he's such a freak athlete. And he took that one other touch uh, for a couple of yards. Uh, do you anticipate more Kadarius Tony here in week number two? So it's a very simple answer. And that is yes. And it's, it's because of two things. One, I don't think Wondell Robinson is going to go. I think it would be smart for the Giants to hold him out for at least one week, yep. see how his leg is doing. He looked like he was walking with a brace a little gingerly. I don't see Wondell Robinson out there. I do think Wondell would have been a much bigger focal point of that offense had he been healthy in yeah. week one. Yeah, yeah first think, little, yeah, little fallback catch. You're like, oh my God, there you go. Like, find those little right. holes for yourself. And yeah, then, find yeah. those little pockets, get those seven to 10 yards, be that security blanket. Yeah. What I think happened, Adam, is as a result, they felt that Richie James was more prepared to take the Wandale Robinson snaps than Kadarius Tony was. It's why you saw Richie James become a focal point and have like five catches over the field there. I don't think going into the game, they're like, we got to get Richie James involved in this when you have all these other talents. And I think because of that, they didn't look at Kadarius Tony saying you are prepared to run the routes and run the tree that Wandale Robinson was, but now giving him game preparation saying Wandale's not going to be there. It would be malpractice for the Giants not to say if we can if we can have one of those players out there and get the ball to them in space, we'd rather have it be Wanda Robin, uh, rather have it be Kadarius Tony than Richie James. Yeah, I think the shift here, and I, I think you're 100 right because again and again coming off an injury, but like it's also true he is coming off of an injury and having an offseason procedure. But Robinson, 
Now I look at it as Sterling Shepard, who wasn't heavily involved, also coming off, obviously, a big injury for himself. But if you think about him as being what he was the start of last year in his career, the chain mover, right? The Mr. Reliable when you need those chunks of yards. Now you can use him even more in that Wandale Robinson role. You still have Richie James, who showed he could execute and be effective. But last week, we can look at it that way, too. Last week, the Giants were able to, first of all, win the game. But they were able to have success in a scenario where Wandale Robinson goes out. You have to shift whatever your offensive mentality was going to be. I wouldn't have been shocked if there were a couple of dynamic plays for Wandale Robinson or maybe even a little more Kadarius Tony than those handful of touches. But all of a sudden, you lose a key component. Your game script gets a little shuffled. And you go, well, you know what? If Saquon Barkley, if that's working, we can lean a little more into that avenue. We can rein ourselves in a little bit more. So I'd like to see them open it up, and I think that they can do that with Kadarius Tony. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to get 60% of the reps, but as long as you see him go to a scenario where I think you want, let's try to get him five touches, however many reps that looks like. If you get him five really nice touches in this game, and that could be a, a low ball number, but remember, put him on the outside, let him get downfield and challenge someone. Give him an end around get him into space a couple of times. Like he can take a ball on five, on five touches in this game. He can end up giving you 65 70, yards and a touchdown. 70 yards. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I'm in the same mind wow, as that's you. Perfect. It's always, yeah, it's like, always good. It's always when we, when we say something and it actually comes close. Otherwise we could yeah, have been. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's about getting him out in space. You know, he only had seven snaps, but when he touched the ball, he was electric. I think putting him more into this game script, I think I think this is all setting up for that for Kadarius Tony, especially you hear you know Dayball being kind of non-committal about Kadarius Tony, and then them wanting to get Kadarius riled up. He's like, "We got the win. I don't care." It's like I feel like they went to Kadarius Tony and they're like, "If we can put in a game script for you where you get five touches, you're going to score a touchdown. You're going to be electric. Are you ready for that?" And like yeah. I I just I don't you feel like you were in the locker room when that happened? They're like, "Kadarius, keep your head on right." And he gets to the media. He's like, "We won. Who cares?" Because he knows. He's going to get an opportunity in this game. And so for me, like this, I'm with you on this. I think obviously Shepard is kind of the heart and soul. You saw how much it meant to him to catch oh, that touchdown. That. And all giant fans were like, that's the guy we want to see succeed. But he almost us, knocked <laughs> Brian Dable to the ground on a two point conversion where he came over and chested Brian Dable. I mean, it was, he, dude, oh, he's, he's one of the emotional leaders for this team. And that's why I love him still being here. I, you know, Shepard is the heart and soul. You want him to be out there just working hard. You just pray that he can stay healthy because he has that fire that the offense needs. He yep. feels like kind of that emotional vocal leader. Cause it's not Daniel Jones's bag and Saquon Barkley, you know, I'd rather just him be overall, just a dynamic guy. I, I did did see this from Gavin. Uh, you know, play action RPL will be more effect, effective this week with Saquon going off last week. Not only do I agree that that is the case that they that having Saquon have that threat is there, but also the fact that we just mentioned that the Carolina Panthers' pass rush is non-existent. So having the RPO will actually allow you a little. You know, you're not worried about those pass rushers getting home as much, and there will be opportunities to make big plays there. Yeah, we'll get out of here on this note. We're going to come back in tomorrow. We're obviously going to have Andy's bet of the week along with my nine 13-leg spider parlay. So we're going to have some fun tomorrow. We'll talk about uh, the over-under in this game. We'll talk about some of the bet lines, obviously. But the one part about this, too, that I do agree with is that we didn't even see, and I didn't think we were going to, it's a steady growth process here. We're not seeing how dynamic this office offensive system can be yet. I do think on a game-to-game basis, hey, looks like we got a more favorable matchup up front. Let's talk about it. Let's try to get more expansive. Daniel Jones, as I said, had for the ugly interception, 
did some things well. And I will say two things here before we leave. One, on that game-winning drive, remember the fourth and one where Daniel Jones came up just short trying to go for it. They trusted him after that interception drive. He was the one who kept it on the roll around and got out to the left sideline and converted that first down to then give them a chance to have explosive plays with Saquon Barkley and get down there and ultimately win the game. But now coming into this one, we can say, what is the next phase of opening things up a little bit more, right? Of tr- You said it last time, 25 passing plays for Daniel Jones. When those looks are there, they had one, one deep ball target in that game last week, and it was to Sterling Shepard, and they absolutely nailed it, and it was a game-changing moment for this offense. If you combine maybe three deep looks and two of those, Darius Tony suddenly we're in a position where the Giants maybe are more dynamic can put some more points on the board and make this a really exciting home opener for Big Blue and the fan base at the end of the day Adam oh, you yeah. mentioned it you mentioned the deep shots Kenny Galladay next gen stats had him at seven yards of separation on his route runs he was getting open you saw David Sills get wide open and Daniel Jones just missed the opportunity there. There are things to clean up for Daniel That's Jones. That's the big one. Yeah. But there yeah. but there are a handful of opportunities this Giants offense has to expand and look even more explosive. It's not just going to be about one play by Saquon or one play by Shepard. If we throw in a big catch by Kenny Galladay and a deep ball to David Sills, the Giants win the game by two scores yet last week. So like there yep, is an yep. opportunity for this team to progress and that's why Giant fans should be excited because what we saw is the appetizer to the entree. We're going to see much more from this from Mike Kafka and his playbook, and we're going to see much more from Daniel Jones and this offense. That's, that's the anticipation. Open it up. Continue to put Daniel Jones in a position to make a good play, right? That's uh, Chastise me if you want, right? He needs to make a good play. The opportunity is there. Certainly, we anticipate there being more of those in this game than in week one. That being the case, friends, you know we're back tomorrow talking those betting lines, talking the over-under, giving you some tasty picks, and then confirming some of these injury updates because we'll know even better on Friday morning than we do here on Thursday. You get over to YouTube, though, where we appreciate everybody being in on the live stream today. This is a juicy one, jam-packed, 40-plus. God, you know what that is? That's Andrew Makowitz coming back healthy, feeling like a bull right now. He's Throw my fastball, some, baby. Throw the fastball in sprints. there. This kid's in wind sprint mode now. Uh, you do that over on YouTube. You tell it, you share it, you like it, you love it. You get the podcast feed wherever you get that fulfilled. And until next time, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.